right, race fans, Ryan Aho here, sporting the Cubbies hat for my boy Bert and my buddy Dan. <laughs> I know they're big Brewers fans, so I got to sport the – it's a home team now, right? I'm still a Twins guy, but it's a home team. So, Bert, this one's for you. Uh, we got Bert, Bert Lehman there in the red and uh, Coach Kraus, Jeff Kraus there, wearing – I don't know, I can't see what's on his hat there. He's got terrible lighting. I'm supporting, really sure the, uh, I'm supporting the sponsor of the 29-star Superstock and then uh, had to pull out the old Club 29 Daryl Lanigan shirt. Oh, there's a little. He raced this year. He actually got a couple of shows in. I think uh, some limited late model stuff, but it's a guy that got it done a time or two. So episode 191, guys, brought to you by our friends over at Zuli's Race Engines. And, you know, really quick off the top, just this week, do yourselves a favor. Go to Zuli's Race Engines on Facebook. Every week they post their winners, and there's a bunch, right? They're winning races. They're winning championships. Sparby, Cade Leaper, Casey Usadis again. Um, Rob Petroff making it five in a row in the 11th star. Um, Cole Suko, Tucker Peterson battling for a national championship with Justin Vogel, who also won. Carter Rents, Krause ran against Carter Rents. He's got a Zuli under the hood. Dane Durbin, Sophie Anderson with her third of the year. Congratulations to her. Travis Scott, Ty Schuler. Guys, the list goes on and on, right? If you can't beat them, join them. That's Zuli's Race Engines. So, guys, hot laps, hot takes, okay? What the hell happened this week? I mean, was there a full moon? I mean, it's like, it's like, what the hell? I mean, absolute mayhem everywhere. Now, before we get into that, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to our buddy here, Brad Parson. Brad Parson, Soil and Egg Solutions. We put him in this topic because he likes to rock the boat just like us. He's one of us, right? But, you know, put it this way. A little drama last week with the tires. If the right chemicals can equal great results in tires, imagine, imagine what they can do in your spray packages. I don't know a lot about farming. Brad Parson does. Give him a call. 320-219-3542, and uh, let him help you have a more successful farming season and be more profitable and get higher yields. So, guys, I'm telling you what, man, it was. My my message board, all right, Facebook messages, text messages, I mean, just blowing up. I mean, like, did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? It's just I'm like, holy crap, the show is going to be eight hours long. We had to eliminate a couple things from the show this week. So we're not going to do that to everybody, right? But well, it, let's and start. The thing is, it, it wasn't just uh, concentrated in one area. It was all over the place. No, I thought, I, I don't know, maybe it's maybe that stuff over there in Shano there, all that drama is <laughs> airborne now. It's kind of getting all throughout the rest of the country. <clears throat> so... Friday at the Red Cedar Speedway. Kraus, I don't even know if you heard about this one yet. Street Stock, A-Main. Lasota Street Stock, A-Main. Last lap, right? Um, Hunter Van Gilder leading the feature. Jeff Nowak working underneath them for the race lead, coming into three and four on the final lap. Andrew Hansen carving the high side. Next thing you know, a little contact made between Nowak. Hunter Van Gilder gets spinning around, and uh, Andrew Hansen goes on to get the win. Little bit of drama. Jump on to Dirt Race Central. You know, they have all, all the stuff with soda racing. Jump on to Dirt Race Central. Ben John and the crew do a great job. You can get all the footage there. But what happened next was unreal. I heard about this uh from a couple sources. 
So after that, when you go to Menominee, you go to the scale, then you go down into turn three to the tech area, kind of dark down, kind of dark in the tech area. Well, Hunter Fists of Fury Van Gilder decided he wasn't real happy with the, the old uh, 79 ride. Drives into him first on the track after the check, crunches his left rear quarter panel in after the race. Proceeds to get out of the car, runs down to the 79, rips the, rips the window net down and throws some haymakers, um, punching him in the helmet about three times. Tow truck driver saw all this, right? No official saw it, so no penalty or anything. And uh, I tell you what, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. Them boys in Wisconsin, they will race against each other a bunch more. So you, you keep an eye on the Jeff Nowak versus Hunter Van Gilder battle. I have a feeling this one ain't over yet. This one's going to get pretty dicey. So let's jump over to, uh, well, what do you say? I, we got to do the elephant in the room, right? I mean, we, we probably got to go to Rice League. We should probably head over there next. It wasn't, Bert, you Wisconsin people are crazy. I'm just going to be honest with you. Buzzy Adams, my boy, I got I no less than 20 messages going, oh, man, Buzzy Adams, your boy, he's, you're a Buzzy Adams fan. You're going to call him out? Yep, I am. I, I am. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call him out because I think he's soft, right? 2.5. I'm going to give him a 2.5. Four-wheeler incident. Guys, there's literally only been one other dumbass in the history of racing that I know of that has gone on a four-wheeler and did something stupid. I just did it better. I just did better. That was this guy. I'm like, Buzzy, I don't know if it's the last name or the A starting to take after me. But now you guys both saw this, I'm guessing, right? So, well, I watched the video and as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, where the hell did he get a four wheeler? He was just in a race car. Where did he, where did he get a four wheeler from? I'll get to that in a second. So, so I called Buzzy today. I talked. To, I talked to multiple parties. I talked to Kennedy Swan's dad, right? I, I, via text message. I talked to Buzzy on the phone. So it was like lap three, roughly, in the modified feature at the Rice Lake Speedway. And Jeff, can maybe you can look it up. Was it was it Jeff Helling? Was that the guy's name? The number ten. Can you look that up really quick? I I feel like I should have wrote that down. I forgot. Needless to say, he got the lead. Kennedy Swan put a nice move on. She takes the lead. Well, they, they, they watered the track and, and moisture came up. It got pretty heavy. She was tight. She she got really tight into the corner. Looked like she was going to push. Jack the brakes got sideways. That gentleman got into her, didn't react in time, got sideways, and Buzzy hit him with a head of steam. So Buzzy gets out of his car. His carburetor, Jeff, broken half. His carburetor was broken half. Hood shredded. He looked down at the right front frame horn, and he's like, holy shit. Frame horns pushed down. He figured about two inches, everything on the right front junk. Kraus, you've been there. I mean, that shit happens. You're probably fuses about that long. You're ready. I mean, he's ready to go mental, right? He looks over at the official. He's like, who caused this crap, right? And they're like, is that is that the guy's name, Helling? Is that his name? Did you find that? Uh, Kyle, Kyle Helling. Kyle Helen, thank you for that. So they're like, that car, the 10, spun out the 18. That's what the officials said in that corner. So he literally grabs one of the officials' four-wheelers, jumps on the four-wheeler, and blazes across the track. And he didn't hit the car hard, but he he got into the 10 in the side, and you could see the car kind of rocking. 
I hit Dustin Strand a hell of a lot harder than that, but nobody saw it, so that was good. Probably saved me a national title. Probably not my better moment of judgment right there, but he drove in, and he got in, in his cockpit, and he's chewing his ass, right? And that guy's like, she spun out. You know, like, what do you want me to do? I know where to go. So he drives over to Kennedy Swan, and <clears throat> people are like, he was screaming at her, which he was not. This is from her dad. He just simply asked her, hey, what what happened? And she's like, I spun out. And he's like, all right, whatever. And he threw his arms up and he kind of went down to the infield, dropped the four-wheeler off and walked away, right? So he didn't he didn't flip out on Kennedy Swan like some people are blowing up on Facebook. That did not happen. All right. With that said, okay, so he had a rough night and, and he kind of laughed. He probably won't want me talking about this, but. I, he's like, you know, I, I wasn't going to run all the way across the track, right? That's too far. I had to grab a wheeler and get over there because the last time he tried to run across the track, he went ass over tea kettle. Kurt Meyer stuffed him in the fence at uh, at Wilmer one night, and he went running across the track to go scream at Kurt Myers and slipped in some mud, and upside down he went in the mud. He was even more mad. He, so that did not happen. Guys, I want your opinion. What what should happen here? Right? I mean, you're seeing all the Facebook people, right? I'm just presenting the facts. Here's what happened, right? Now, now I'm gonna keep in mind, like literally a half hour of the races. Hey, he parks a couple spots down from Helling. They they had like three beers together. It was done. Once once it got done, he's like, "Shit, I'm sorry, man. I yelled at the wrong guy." Right? But an on track deal where a driver gets on a four wheeler, blazes across the track, runs into a car. I want both of your opinions, uh, Bert. What should happen? Should there be a penalty? He did get DQ'd from the for the night. He did get DQ'd for the feature. Should there be more? Should there? What What do you think? Um, my personal opinion is, yeah, I think there there needs to be more of a penalty. I mean, you can't take an official's four wheeler, <laughs> scream across the track, and you're right. He didn't hit the car hard, but he did hit the car. Um, there needs to be a little bit more penalty than just DQ'd from that event. Jeff? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Um, first off, we need some entertainment in the racing business. Um, and it, like, and you don't, I get it. If you're putting people in harm's way, in, injury, I get that. We don't need that. But that was pure entertainment. It 100% was pure entertainment. Now, like I, I was joking with you, Ryan, is I text you, I said, it's probably his four wheeler anyway. I know his dad runs a place, but I mean, I, I mean, I get it, but we want some entertainment. He got DQ'd for the race. You know, he's, he's 137 points back in the, uh, for the track championship right now. He just cost himself a track championship. So what, what more else do you want? You know what I mean? So all of a sudden he's, he's going to probably, he lost that because he lost over hundred points on that night. So, um, and, and the facts is it's the end of the year. This it it's we're track championships are this weekend. Okay. There I'm pretty sure a year hasn't gone by at Viking Speedway where there hasn't been a, some sort of fisticuffs at the end of the year due to track championships. Um, I've started multiple of them. All right. I'd pull off the scale and all heck break loose. So uh, I think the DQ for the race, I think is fine. I mean, I mean, yeah, he got a little out of hand and he's going to end up costing himself some stuff. Like I said, I'm sure he feels bad, but um, you know, we, Hey, we do need some entertainment value here going too with some of these racetracks, just as long as it's within, you know, you're not getting too completely crazy, but got a laugh out of it. We got a laugh out of everybody and 
you know, a driver made a mistake and I'm sure Buzzy was probably, he was really fast and he was mad. He wrecked some stuff and, and who knows what's going on in his head. But I, I thought the DQ for the race was enough. Maybe I'd probably find him at the track level. Um, hey, you know, he can't be doing this, you know, you know, find him 250, 500 bucks, say, Hey, before you come back and race next week, you got to pay this. And cause listen, you want Buzzy Adams back at that track next week because the stands is probably going to be full because they're going to be sitting there. Okay. What's going to go down this week. So um, I, I thought the penalty was, was fit the, uh, fit the crime. Well, let me ask you guys this, right? So a week ago, a driver, right. Got, got, I don't want to say caught. Cause well, I guess caught, right. So they did a tire sample on a driver. They sent it in. It came back, not meeting the benchmark illegal, a rules of rule, right? We all know, if your tire doesn't meet the benchmark, that's a disqualification. That gentleman got a thousand dollar fine and a one year suspension. One year, a whole year, kicked out of racing. So we had people uh, on our on our thread there saying, you know, well, look, this guy got kicked out for a whole year. I mean, he's got to get kicked out for some extended period of time, right? So. You know, looking back at Rice Lake, you know, you guys remember, Bert, we did this, we talked about this on the show. Parker Anderson had a huge year a couple of years back in the street stock and got a little, he was a little proud of himself, which who wouldn't be? 17 year old kid, you're winning the races, you're going to have some swagger, right? Jimmy Randall did not like that, wrecked him on purpose at the Little Dream, then bragged about it, destroyed him. They handled it on the track level, no suspension, no nothing. Kurt Myers flat out monster truck tearing SpaceX into the wall at Rice Lake in the middle of the back straightaway earlier this year. He got a two week suspension for using his car as a weapon. And I think something happened after that. It wasn't necessarily, there was more to it. Um, so he got it. You know, there's been multiple instances. Rice Lake has never been a track to turn anything into Wasoda. They've always been a track that we're going to handle it right here at home. But when you look at it, it's like, should this be, I mean, should this be more or less than a tire infraction? And is the tire infraction just like insanely stupid on how, how severe that is? Your guys' thoughts. Well, I mean, we discussed this last week. I think we all agreed that the tire, the tire suspension is way too long. Um, you know, I mean, um, you know, World of Outlaws, I believe, is only 30 or 60 days. Um, Johnny Whitman, when he got uh, uh, dinged for illegal tire with IMCA, was 30 days and I think a $1,000 fine. So, I mean, the year suspension for the tire incidents way too long. Um, so, um, yeah, now I forgot where I was going with this. So I'll, I'll let Jeff <laughs> chime in. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, obviously that tire thing was was ridiculous. Um, you know the buzzy thing. You know you have to take it on a case by case basis, and I have zero issues with tracks handling things themselves. Um, you know I think it. Um, you start turning everything into a soda, and tell you one thing in a big hurry, your car count's going to start going down. Um, people are going to show up. Well, I do something dumb there. I'm getting thirty and a thousand. You know instead of a, like I said, as went up to casinos. Started a pit brawl and I got fined 250 bucks. You know, I had to pay it before I left. So uh, I, I'm I like when tracks handle things by themselves. Uh, really, you know, I think it's uh, the flip side is I think you're think at the end of the day you're actually 
supporting and sticking up for your drivers. Um, you know, instead of just doing the paperwork and sending it in, it's 30 days and a thousand automatic. So, uh, but they, yeah, they got to do something. These, these penalties is this, this uh, year suspension stuff. I and mean, that's, that's just absolutely horrible. So promoters, go ahead, Bert. Go ahead. I'll talk go your ahead. mind. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna, gonna ask you guys, cause you guys are more familiar with, with soda than I am. Um, now you're, can with soda get involved only when the tracks ask with soda to get involved or the fact that this video is out there i mean there's no hiding it i mean could Wasoda come in and say hey we saw this happen we're gonna get involved and we're gonna punish buzzy with this punishment there's no precedent for that um in okay. the history of Wasoda, they've never done that they've always they've always basically one thing with soda's done is and I don't, there's been other instances where they, it's been a little sketchy, but with soda has definitely said, look, it's up to the promoter. Do you want this to be a minor, a major? How do you want this handled? Okay. The track is supposed to have the latitude to make that decision because at the end of the, at the end of the day, it doesn't affect with soda. This affects the tracks. When the tracks lose cars, they lose fans. When they lose fans and cars, they lose money. So that that's kind of, now if it's a, a person that's a repeat offender right then i mean but if this is a one time this is out of character for a guy right i mean we've all had moments or whatever but this is definitely out of character um should he be penalized well he got he got dq'd i like jeff's idea of, of penalizing him at the track i do not believe that wasoda should have they should not be allowed to step in and make okay. that decision jeff yeah, they actually um, – you have to fill out paperwork, Bert. Okay. Um, and, the, and the promoter has to sign off on it, and then you send all the paperwork into Minnesota, um, and then basically it's automatic from there. So, But like I said, the track, the promoter, they have to sign off on everything. Okay. Absolutely. So a little bit of drama, a little bit of points drama. So, oh, before I get to that, promoters, right now pause it, stop, right, stop listening, and write this down and turn this in. The, the penalty – for a first-time infraction, right, on a tire, not meeting the benchmark, if you think that a year is what it should be, well, whatever, okay? But if you feel that should be 30 days or something different, write that down, submit that to Wasota right now, get that on the agenda, right? Do that so that way we can resolve this because that's crazy. We can't have that. So points deal, okay? So up in Ada, Minnesota, Norman County Raceway, um, did you guys hear what happened up there with the late model deal? So, so up in Norman County, the Bitker family, they promote, they're the promoter at Norman County in Ada and at the Red River Valley Speedway in West Fargo. Well, the makeup or the features rained out for, and in fact, they didn't even get all the heat races in. So they had the ability to say, you know what, this is just a wash altogether. Um, Cause we didn't even finish all the heat races, but needless to say, the late model feature rained out, and there was no, there's no more late model races scheduled at Ada. So he decided that, you know what, we're going to go ahead and we're going to have the makeup feature, but we're going to run that at Fargo. What? Okay, now, I don't have a problem with them running the race as an exhibition or for money or whatever, but there's some questions going on out there right now. Are they going to award national points for that race? 
Jeff, you're a racer, promoter. Bert, you're a fan. You've been involved in the history of racing. I've never seen a track where they rain out the feature at one track and then race the feature at another track and get points. Should they get points for this race? Is that opening up a whole can of worms? Your guys' thoughts. Um, I mean, if they're racing it at the same track, you know, just added an extra date and racing it at the same track, uh, then I could, I'd be more inclined to be okay with awarding points. But if you're racing it at a totally different track, um, it just doesn't make any sense that, you know, it, it could de determine a championship if you're racing it at a totally different track. I don't, uh, so... I didn't know the heat. They never got the heats in an Ada. Not all of them. Well, how can you run a feature? They got the it's late the, model heats in, but not all the other classes. It was, it was not get, officially You have to get all the heats in in order for it to be a show to do makeup features, correct? Well, I think, I think the tracks have the ability, if they decide, hey, we didn't get all the heats in, there was a couple left, they can run features, but they don't have to. If they get all the heats in, then it's considered a complete show. Fans don't get their money back. And so I think that's kind of up to the track on if they run it. I, I don't have a problem with them running it. I have a problem with the points, though. Well, and, and we'll have to ask Billiam. It must be it must be an unwritten rule or something. So we're, <laughs> we'll have to ask him this week to see what he says. But it, here's the other thing. And then you're going to move that to a non-Wasota sanctioned track. They, they don't have – they don't – they have zero, do, correct? And the, the NLRA shows were Wasota Station. I get that, but you don't have one full-time Wasota uh, class at that track. No, nope, just And now you're going to move. You're going to move that race down there. Now and now you just play. You said you completely altered the national points because TPO won, correct? Correct. Um, correct. So yeah, I don't. I. I I don't know. I've never heard of it. But like you said, it, it could be an unwritten rule. I guess it could be going. I. I don't. I don't think that's right. My personal opinion. You can't. I mean, I I couldn't imagine if we did something like that, Viking Speedway, and or uh, I ninety four move something to Viking, or Viking move something to I ninety four. There there'd be. I mean, I couldn't even imagine there's something like that going on. Yeah, and and the jury's still out, right? They haven't made an official uh, ruling on this. In fact, I'm not even a hundred percent sure if Wasota was aware. I mean, for all I know, they just go ahead, send the points and said, hey, here's the feature results and whatever. So I guess we'll, this is something we'll keep an eye on. We'll, we'll see later down the road if they award points or don't award points. And because uh, it could definitely have national title implications. Now, Sunday, speaking of national title income in, implications, the home of the chicken shack, Bemidji, uh, Bemidji Speedway up in northern Minnesota. Guys, Wissota Hornet drivers. Number one and number two in the national standings going at it. The the second place driver, who is Justin Barsness, passed for the lead. Carter Matthews leading the national points. And there's video of this. And he flat out teed him up and drilled him in the left rear. I mean, just drilled him. I'm like, wow, right? And, guys, I'm here to tell you right now, they are actually meeting on this as we speak. We're doing this show Monday night. There has been phone calls made this driver, right? And I don't got a dog in the fight, right? But Carter Matthews, on he's on probation right now with Wasota. 
he's been turned in by multiple tracks for rough driving, right? I'm here to tell you, if if Tanya, this is all up to Tanya, she spoke with Wasoda, and Wasoda said, this is up to you. This is this is your call. We're not, you decide, right? Is this, is this big or not, right? If she decides that this warrants, right, a, a penalty, he just lost the national championship. Your thoughts? I know you guys probably, Kraus, did you see this video on Facebook by chance? No, I did not. I did not see it. So let me ask you this. If a driver's on probation for rough driving, intentionally taking drivers out of races, right? And he flat out does it again to the guy he's battling with for the national title. In your opinion, should he lose his points and be suspended? Bert? Um, I mean, you can make a case either way, uh, but if he's on probation already, I mean, if you're on probation and you get, you know, in real life and you get nabbed by the cops again, you're going to get punished. <laughs> and, and this ain't an instant, okay? He's a big boy. This kid's a big kid. You're not taking, first of all, I think he's under 18, right? But second of all, he's a big boy. You're not going to take him out behind a woodshed in the back 40 and teach him a lesson. That's not going to happen, right? He's bigger than pretty much all these other drivers. So they, the drivers in this instance, they can't take it into their own hands and just handle it, right? So I don't know. I mean, when somebody's that young and they're driving like that, I don't know if it's being promoted. I know, I, I know there's been instances where it's being promoted if he's running 30 pulls off, which is just horseshit all by itself. But the fact of the matter is, if he's not taught a lesson early, is he going to continue to just be that guy for the next, you know, two, three, five, well, 10, 15 years? Krause? Would... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think so. Like I said, I didn't see the incident. If he's, you know, I don't know. I have a super, super duper hard time stripping his whole season from him. You know what I mean? You take all his national points. I mean, that. For a little bit rough driving, you know, maybe DQ him for the race. Maybe you got to sit him for a week or two from your track. You know what I mean? Maybe you got to come up with something else that's going to, what you know, what's going to teach this kid a lesson. And, you know, these the 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids are completely different these days. Trust me, I know I'm a hockey coach. I deal with it for seven months out of the year. Um, you have to take away something from them that they like doing. Um, and, you know, hey, sometimes you got to, you know, I got multiple things I can do to my players. They miss curfew or they're misbehaving. I got plenty of things to do to them. So I think you got to think outside the box here and say, "Hey, we need to help this kid. He's got a he's got a problem. He's he's obviously fast. He does a good job. You know, you know, sit him for a couple of weeks and try to do something. Stripping his complete national points is that's a that's a lot to me, Bert. I would agree with that. I, I wouldn't strip all his points away, but I, I was just going to say, um, I mean, if he has multiple infractions um, and um, he's on probation, um, you're probably going to have to sit him for a week or so. Just, you know, let him think about things because, yeah, if you don't sit him, he's just going to keep on doing it. And there's precedent here, right? A couple of years ago, not necessarily the driving part. But uh, Cole Searing over in Aberdeen, they, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, they they suspended him. I believe it was for a two-week period. 
where he got sat down and they called it unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever. So, and they didn't take his points away. He went on to win the national championship, but that's, I mean, I, I would agree with Jeff. I, I would say stripping the points is too much, but sitting them down for a, I think 30 days is probably too much. Maybe go a week or two weeks or something like that, you know, through invitational season up to invitational season, but something's got to be done, right? You can't just let a guy use his car as a battering ram. Um, something has to be done. And I guess we'll, uh, We'll stay tuned. We should know by uh, next week's show what happens here, and we'll uh, bring back to the to the group what they do. So, speaking of, we got a little report here. We got uh, we got Brad's asphalt recap here. We got we got to throw in some asphalt stuff for our boy Brad here, Bert <laughs> Bowman Gray Stadium. Bert, did you see this deal? Uh, which one are you referring to? Because there's always something going on at that racetrack. Well, <laughs> Devil's Lake thought they had the Golden Hammer this weekend. The Golden Hammer was at Bowman Gray. Cross, why don't you fill us in what happened here? Um, drivers were Tommy Neal and Amber Lynn were the two drivers involved. This is absolute craziness. Well, anyway, the on-track incident from what I've seen um, – Big Tommy, I, he looked like he was a pretty big guy. Um, oh. Sounds like he got punted out on the track or stuffed. Or I, I didn't see the on-track incident. The clip I started seeing was um, Tommy went flying in the pits. It must have been, uh, I don't know, something was in the water about stealing gators or side-by-sides right. or, or four-wheelers or, uh, I don't know, Buzzy. He'll, he'll have to fill us in on all that stuff. But the guy jumped in the track gator. Uh, looked like it was a John Deere. He fired it up. And look, that was his wife that jumped in with him, correct? Yes, yes. Yes, his wife hopped in with him, and he was going to put that thing in reverse. He was going out on the track. It would have been That would have been really bad if he would hop that thing. Well, anyway, all officials ran over there, took the keys out of it, um, stopped it. It was moving. I mean, they were putting their feet underneath the tires, and they stopped him. So then he got out. looks like he let the officials know what he thought, and – and he decided to walk on the track, and he threw a Nolan Ryan fastball with his water bottle and hit the car, which is not going to do nothing. It's a water bottle. Um, that was the kind of on-track incident there. And I didn't see much. It sounds like something happened now out in the parking lot. I know you sent a screenshot today of some stuff um, about a hammer going through a windshield. You're going to have to fill us in about that. He literally took a sledgehammer, right, and threw it at their hauler and it went right through the windshield and shattered the windshield on their on the hauler in the in the pits. So that's the golden hammer right there. I mean, that's a donkey award if I've ever seen one. I mean, throwing a sledgehammer at the window of a hauler. I mean, th there should be he should be not only kicked out, he should be like prosecuted or something. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, we think shit's crazy in the dirt world. That Bowman Gray Stadium is always off the reservation, like always, right? But this is taking it to a whole nother level here i was just gonna say at that track there is always some sort of drama or something going on but when you watch the videos if you look at the crowd that place is packed <laughs> every single night so i mean that gives us something to think about like jeff said the, the deal with buzzy i mean at the end of the day it was entertaining there's people hooting and hollering and all that we don't can necessarily condone that but i certainly understand it now Bert, you had a little bit, you know, a couple things going on over in eastern Wisconsin again. A little modified deal, another disqualification. What, what 
what happened over there this week? Um, well, uh, on Friday night at Outagamie County Speedway, apparently in the IMCA modified feature, uh, well, Marcus Yari was leading it and, uh, Benji lacrosse on a restart, uh, ducked down low, uh, to try to pass. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't there, so I didn't see it live. I just watched, saw the video. And I mean, from the video, it looks like, uh, Yari may have pinched Benji down low. Uh, once he got alongside of him, Benji wound up clipping a tractor tire on the inside. And I mean, I've talked to Ben. I've interviewed Benji a lot. He's a very calm racer. I've, I've actually never seen him angry or do anything on track to that displayed his emotions. But uh, I guess he was a little upset because uh, with a uh, with a uh, crumpled up front end, he pulled around and uh, pulled up alongside uh, Marcus Yari as as uh, during the caution. And uh, I don't think they were exchanging addresses for Christmas cards. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but the thing is, I wouldn't even have known about this incident, um, except uh, Marcus Yari's wife posted on Facebook the next morning that um, she was, well, they, let me, I printed it out what she posted. I mean. Uh, she posted, Dear Modified Drivers, I'm so tired of those of you who use your keyboards to complain Quit coming on Facebook or Snapchat to cry about something. Man up, go talk to the driver that you have an issue with or just keep it to yourself and move on if you don't want to approach the driver. Crying on social media just makes you look pathetic. And um, so then tonight I noticed she posted something more. Um, she posted the video in slow motion. And like I said, I mean, it's hard to tell. Um who was at fault, you know, from the camera angle and everything. So it, it was kind of, to me, a racing deal. Um, but, you know, she posted that the 54 car was below the racing surface. How can you be below the racing surface if you're still on the track? And then and there's tires, there's tractor tires are on the bottom. So he wasn't inside the tires. Let's just right. say that. Well, then, <laughs> then she said, as he hit, not only the first infield tire, but then the second one and the third one as well. From the video, I don't get that. I mean, maybe he did, but I it 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 wasn't obvious that he hit these other tires before he hit the big tire. Um, so to me, it's just like you got the victory, enjoy it, and just let it go. Chiming in on these Facebook things, all you're doing is fueling the fire. So just just let it go. <laughs> well, and Cross, I'm going to ask you this because you, you're you're heavily involved, right? So <clears throat> it's not the driver on their posting; it's his wife. Is does that seem common these days? Like the, a lot of times, us drivers, we have an incident on the track. We talk to them, you know, we're pissed off, but we it's over with before the people even come down from the stands, and then it all gets brought back up again, and it's usually. A, a parent, a spouse, a sibling, you know, somebody in the crowd, they're usually the more of the Facebook warriors a lot of times than the drivers. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's no different than youth sports, too. I mean, who's going at it in youth sports? It's the parents and, and whoever else or the spouse or something like that. Or, um, you know, it was back in, the, back in the day, I say back in the day, I, I wouldn't say uh, 
way back in the day. My dad started racing in 79, so that, that is back in the day. But uh, the 80s, even in the 90s, you didn't see women in the pits. They, they were hardly ever downers. Um, it's not like they weren't allowed. I'm not going to go that far. Um, but you just didn't see them down in the pits. Um, and it's just kind of the way it was. And now all of a sudden, you know, when they kind of opened up the – I mean, I, didn't, I couldn't go in the pits until I was 16 years old. I don't know, Ryan, you might have been the same way when you were growing up. Well, we might go in the pits. Well, you couldn't. Well, now any age is allowed down there, you know, can get down in the pits. So you're seeing a lot more kids and, and spouses and wives. And, um, and then, you know, hey, sometimes I know um, it's probably a lot of wives got a lot of money in these cars too, um, you know, slipping the bill or for whatever things. And it's family. You're, you go off the wall for family. That's just what you do, but yeah, it's it's you're starting to see that a lot more with the wives and the drivers' wives and all them getting uh, heated. Yeah, it could, we could have some big brawls like down in Georgia, Tennessee, and all that. I mean, we, <laughs> maybe we're just getting started up here in the north. Disqualification, Shano, Saturday night, Bert. What happened there? Yeah, um, uh, it was a four, well, it was originally a three thousand win IMC Sport Mod Special. Uh, sponsor kicked in an extra thousand, so it was four thousand to win. And uh, Zachary Robb from Anigo uh, uh, won the feature. And I actually left at that point because I had my two grandkids with me, and they they, they were kind of getting rambunctious. So it's okay, we got to go. Um, and then the next morning, I saw that uh, he wasn't the winner. Uh, apparently, he had. Um, you know this better than me, how the he had solid gear stuff where it should have been. He had a, he had a full spool in his in yeah, his nine inch in his gears, right? And, and they're in the they're supposed to run a mini spool. Yeah, so and, clearly uh, illegal. Not really an advantage, but definitely a, you know a rules a rule, right? And um, rule. so then the next morning I saw on Facebook somebody had posted something about it, and then. Um, Zachary Rob's dad had posted, yeah, we got robbed on that one. So then I normally I stay out of these things, so but I couldn't stay out of it. Um, so I, I just asked the question, how did you get robbed if you were illegal? And then um, he said that, well, okay, maybe robbed was the wrong word, but um, and he said, you know, rules are rules, but um he was complaining about, you know, some people get checked, some people, you know, the old, it's always the fallback. Some people get checked, some people don't get checked. And then, um, and then he also said that, uh, you know, some people are allowed um, to fix infractions by the next week, you know, if they're, but you have to expect for a 4,000 to win show, if you're found illegal, the track's not going to say, okay, fix that by next week. We're going to still give you a, the win. I mean, that's not how specials work. I uh, and no. but I, but um and we had a little bit more of a conversation. I mean, uh, his dad said that you know he was the one who ordered the gears. That you know it was all on him because they race at a smaller track and you know Shano's a half mile, so um they said they were using different gears and they just didn't they didn't look at it close enough. And I think. Things have calmed down now that, you know, but, you know, it's the heat of the moment. You lose $4,000. I mean, I was telling somebody today, I think everybody should just avoid Facebook for 48 hours after a race event. <laughs> that's not, 
that's not bad <laughs> advice at all. And, and, you know, it's one of those deals. And Jeff, I mean, you know enough about this. We've been in nine inch gears forever. There's no performance advantage really to running a, a full spool versus a mini spool. They're just stronger. It's a better piece. IMCA, this is where, you know, we knock with soda pretty often, right? For some of the stuff they do. IMCA, there ain't no better. I mean, they got rules that are archaic, right? Like this mini spool rule is absolutely stupid, right? It's 2023. Get with the times. Like, so, but, but you're right. A rule is absolutely a rule. It's in the rule book. They made a mistake. It is what it is. And, but I mean, it's not like the dude's a cheater or something like that. I right. mean, it's just an unfortunate deal. So, tires, right? We're talking about tires, guys. Uh, you know, with the tires treatment deal that the person got or whatever he had, uh, not meeting the benchmark is the official wording. So, some issues. Lots of Facebook posts. I had like five or six different posts I saw this week with the tires literally falling apart, right? The delaminating all the tread falling off. I was at the Wasota meetings this past uh, November. Jimmy Mars in front of the room specifically asked in front of the room. He asked Shannon Rush from Hoosier. He said, look, when we get tires in August, right, a lot of times – they aren't cured. This happens every freaking year, right? And it's absolutely bullshit that Hoosier, this high and mighty company that Don Shaw thinks is great, oh, man, we got to have their back, right? That's bullshit, okay? Because they are screwing the racers year after year after year. This is sickening. Jimmy Mars said, why on earth in the wintertime when things are slow, why can't Hoosier make tires right and have them set there so that way we have all of our tires ready for the 2023 season they have a pretty darn good idea of how many tires we're going to go through okay why are they producing tires that literally get sent out right because and, and they're not even cured right <clears throat> so it's the curing process it's the fact that there's not enough rubber the design of the tires they're falling apart this is a hoosier tire deal corporate not who's retired north by any means but who's retired corporate supplying us with a garbage tire jeff as a racer i mean does this just frost you i mean what's your thoughts here yeah i absolutely i saw those i uh we had a board meeting for viking speedway tonight and i, I brought it up to dave tennis from tre race parts who sells tires and and actually our, our president's son had a couple chunks ripped the hole into inside tread out up in Fergus this last weekend. And Brock Grunwald had a couple issues up in I-94. Um, so it, it is a big issue and it's something that I, I don't know if it's a cured thing. Um, Cause you got to remember two years ago when we had the tire shortage, they shipped up over a thousand tires to, to the Wasota 100 and those babies were fresh and there was no issues with those tires. Okay. So I think this is a product issue. Um, I think they're trying to, make these tires as cheap as possible. Um, and I think and there's a big issue with how they're doing it and what, and what they're doing with the tire. I, I don't know if it's a cure. You, you, I have a hard time believing an uncured tire is just going to tread. I mean, that one tire we saw, the outside tread was brand new and the whole tread was completely gone. I mean, it was it was gone, man. Um, like I said, I know uh, Justin Anderson, our president, he mounted up a tire and it was deformed. You could see it before he even mounted it, that the tread was uneven. So it's definitely an issue and it needs to get something. It needs to get fixed. Uh, ASAP. 
Yeah, and that's exact. IMCA tires are even worse than the Wasota tires. I mean, that's. I mean, there's a lot more IMCA drivers out there, right? But they're having. They've had huge problems as well. So, I mean, the curing deal is one thing, but the delaminating and the tires literally falling apart. I mean, can you imagine? Right? Imagine this for just a minute. This company is owned by Continental Tire. Okay, Hoosier Tires. Imagine that they put out tires like this. To go out in the general public. Imagine a semi truck driving down the freaking road, and the whole front tire literally falls apart. And the truck goes across the road, kills a family. All right, they wouldn't put that kind of crap on the street, but they look at the racers and they're like, "Ah, screw the racers!" Right? They they they're, they're stuck. They have no other options. They gotta buy a Hoosier, so we'll just complete supplying. We'll, we'll start supplying them with lesser product because it's cheaper. I mean, it's. It's sad that there's not competition out there right now for Hoosier because they got everybody by the balls. I mean, it's a flat-out monopoly what they have going on. I mean, Goodyear ain't no better. Goodyear was a terrible deal. There's all kinds of issues with their DIRT program. I think it's kind of been mostly discontinued. American Racer, I was told, and I have not done the research myself, that they don't have the ability to take on another sanctioning body. Right. Yeah, I don't think they could manage that many more tires. So I mean, we're as as racers, as with soda people, we're they kind of got you by the short hairs there. There ain't much you can do. You kind of gotta grin and bear it. But I tell you what, we got one more year on the contract, and I sure the hell hope that they don't spike up like UMP. And I literally it this this right here just makes me even more mad that they had a nine percent increase. Because it's not like they're doing anything good for the racers. They're supplying a garbage tire. So kind of a sad situation right there. So keep, drivers, look at your tires. Spin them. Make sure they're round. Because you're right. They'll be deformed. You're looking at the tread. And they'll actually be they'll be high points. And what that is is a lamination coming off. That tire is going to fall apart. So you got to kind of keep an eye on that. So speaking of the 9% deal, old Oprah Omen's in there. uh the, the scheduling director for Wasoda, Gus Omanson, but we'll call him Oprah today, kind of going down with a, you get a special, and you get a special, and everybody gets a special, and you get a race, and you get a race. What the hell, right? So what happened here? I-94 Speedway and FYE Motorsports a week ago decide this uh, announce that they're going to have this is a special y'all been waiting for. We have one more postseason September Invitational. Two weeks after the Wasota 100, it's a week-long event at the I-94 Speedway. They're going to have, I believe, the Gopher State Nationals, I think is what it's called, right on top of established invitations. Now, guys, I don't care who it is. Take the people out of the situation in this deal. We do not need more races. This is ridiculous. Bert, in our area, you don't have this as much in your area. No. But in Wasota country, from Labor Day weekend on, it's special season. It's invitational season. To me, the, as a driver and as a fan, what makes invitationals and specials so great is there, there's not a bunch of them, right? It's, it's finally weekends of the year where there's only a handful of tracks racing, and you're going to get cars coming from everywhere that want to race, and, and you're going to have big car counts, big fan counts. That's the idea of these specials. The Madtown Showdown has been going on for about a decade, 100 miles down the road, right? And now they have a special 
right on top of Madison. I don't think we need more invitationals. This is nothing more than ego and greed. Okay. We don't need more invitationals at the end of the year. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's track A, B, C, or D. I am I am dead set against this. I think it's absolutely asinine. They'll get cars because I-94 can be a pretty fun place to be. I mean, I want your guys' thoughts. Kraus, I want I want your thoughts on this deal with another special at the end of the year. Yeah, well, it uh, <clears throat> well, kind of I know you brought it up to it. It's, it kind of used to be that the specials after September, each track kind of had their own, you know what I mean? And, and um, we had the Viking fall classic for years um, and just decided it was kind of to the point where we needed to drop that. And, and Chris moved it to Ogilvy, which it, it just moved a different week and it is what it is. Um, but, and, and yes, I'm telling you right now, Viking speedway had uh, to be determined um, uh, September 29th and 30th on our schedule. Um, and we decided, no, we're not going to do anything. And we were talking with Chris and we said, no, we're not. We're, it's, it's Madison. Um, I think, is that the Ashland weekend? Is that the same weekend? Red they Clay kinda, Classic. Yeah, best paying invitational in Wissota, the Red Clay Classic up in Ashland, Wisconsin. And that's been going on for years. Um, and we, you know, it's kind of our own fault for giving up the uh, Fall Classic weekend. And, you know, now we're not going to, we're not, we decided not to do anything. And then, then when I saw this deal, I was like, oh, holy smokes, it's, Hey, you got you got Madison. Yeah, I mean, it's they're about a hundred miles apart, but you're this time of year you're drawn from the same cars. You're absolutely one hundred percent drawn from this. The only people you're hurting are the fans, and now you, it's who because the fans want to see they want to go down to Madison. They want to see everybody down there. Now you're going to take cars and you're going to split the cars from this area into two different tracks. So it definitely, you're going to be hurting the fans because this time of year you want to see all like, like Ashland, you want to get all those people up there and you want to see all those drivers in that area battle. Um, you know, you get, you get them over in Madison. Do you want to see them all down in Madison battling each other? So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Now it just, you just, and you're watering down the specials too. That's all you're doing is it doesn't really, that really doesn't even really make them a special. Bert, as a fan, what's your thoughts on adding another, regardless of the track or where it is, just adding another special on top of special season? What's your thoughts? Well, first of all, when I saw the press release, I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. I've never heard of this special before. And then I was reading it, and what I found interesting was in the, in the press release, they basically they stated – I don't have the exact verbiage, but something to the effect of there's not much racing going on at this time of the year. So we thought we'd add this special. And then I saw the dates and I'm thinking, wait a minute, isn't that the Red Clay Classic? I mean, I don't I don't know the distance between the two tracks, but like Jeff said, and you've said, you know, for the specials, drivers travel for these specials, fans travel for these specials and like you also said you know eastern wisconsin some of the tracks have specials but what's special about the western specials is the history behind them and that and it's the history that draws the cars and draws the fans but now you're adding new specials that have no history behind them no meaning but you're going to you're going to take away some of the meaning from the other specials like you guys have mentioned. Guys, and here's the deal. At the Wasoda meetings, Don Shaw made it. He was very vocal 
about the point that, oh, FYE shouldn't be able to monopolize all these weekends. That shouldn't happen. And he was trying to get with Soda to charge him a higher fee in order to run specials because he's not a promoter of a track. And lo and behold, there's Don Shaw partnering up with Chris Steppen. Uh, really? What are we talking about here, right? So it's, I don't know. I mean, I get it. Every track wants a special, but for goodness sakes, they just had the 100. They're going to have one two weeks later. I mean, watering it down, and, and it's the end of September. God only knows what the weather's going to be like. I mean, it could be beautiful. It could be crappy. I mean, who knows? I don't know. It, it just sucks. And with soda, and they just don't have a backbone, right? I mean, they should be looking out for the track saying, look, you got an established special here already. We don't, do we really need another one? But they got, Wasoda has no power because if they tell somebody no, whichever track it is, well, screw you then. If you're not going to let us run a special, we're just going to sanction with somebody else. So there's, Wasoda has no power anymore. And that's half the problem with this situation. So, guys, let's get into some fun stuff, some good stuff here, positive stuff. Top five moments of the week brought to you by our friends over at Daytona One Performance Lubricants. A group of people right here, right? Buck with Performance Daytona One, passionate about reducing the costs of racing, right? Right. We, we know tire, tire prep, tire treatment is voodoo. We get all that, right? It's proven, though. There are series out there where you can do whatever you want. They have the Gen X late model series. Guys, what they do is they take used tires. They could be a year old, two, three, four years old. I know people running them that long that treat their tires. They have to run used tires. Jeff, I talked to Crash Carlson up at Superior Speedway. They had an issue. I don't know if you guys have this at Viking. They had almost 300 tires sitting there laying at the racetrack. Most of them, one or two nights on the tires, drivers take them off, and they just throw them to the side and leave them at the track. They had to get rid of them, right? This series right here, they go in, they grab all these tires from all these places, then they can treat their tires legally and run them, and they're having great results. The drivers are coming back saying, look, we're getting more nights out of our tires. We're, we're competing. We're happy with this deal. Could you see a, a track or series or group of tracks taking a class like the pure stocks, the speed stocks or something and saying, look, if Wasoda is not going to allow this, we're going to decide that we're going to break this class away from Wasoda. Let's use the speed stocks, for example, right? It's $300 to win, $152 or whatever it is for a tire. So if the speed stocks decide, look, we are going to, we're going to take three tracks. It could be Fergus Falls, Viking, Granite, right? Three tracks, three that are right in the area. And we're going to make a rule that they got to run used tires and they can do whatever they want to them. If there's a point fund behind that, that's something that might be able to, that I, I've heard talk of that possibly happening. Um, Krause, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, for sure. Especially at that level, it, we got a chance, especially at a beginner level to say, and to save some people money, a driver's money. And then I think the flip side is, and you, you're going to be able to build the class, build the sport, get new people involved in the sport is what we need right now. Um, you know, you don't need to be um, making the rich richer and the fast faster. Um, we need to start building up from the roots and getting more people involved in racing. I think that would definitely help. So if you want to get educated on the products that they have to offer, call Chad. His number is 507-828-3536. Number five, we're going to go Pierstock Racing, Northern Minnesota, Dean Olison Memorial up at the Grand Rapids Speedway. 
my little buddy there, Chaston Finkbone, thousand dollar to win payday, biggest win of his young career. Super pumped to see him in victory lane. Guys, when I used to race, which seems like forever ago, he was just a little guy. He'd ride in my car and I'd winch it in and he'd steer the car to the trailer. Now he's steering the car around the racetrack, taking home some big paydays. CJ Lavalley, young lady from over in northern Minnesota, 500 to win for the Hornets. So, um, great moment. You can jump on Dirt Race Central and catch that. Number four, Bert, let's go over to eastern Wisconsin. Big payday for the sport mods over there. What happened? Yeah, it was uh, the captain of the creek at 141 Speedway, 10,000 to win, IMCA sport mod feature. Um, they had, I should have wrote it down, I think it was like 68 uh, uh, sport mods there. And uh, T-Sob took home the $10,000, uh, Tyler Sobieszczyk. Uh, he's a regular at Shano Speedway. Uh, he's won a lot of features this year at Shano, but he's also blown three motors this year. Uh, so uh, $10,000 will come in handy. Uh, it was actually a, a pretty good. It was a good race to watch. Uh, um, there weren't a lot of cautions. So the drivers had to drive through uh, through traffic. And at one point with probably it was probably less than 10 laps to go. They were racing three wide in front of the leaders. And plus there, there were three wide in front of the leaders. Plus there was a car getting lapped on the outside of t-sob so he was kind of boxed in there and i was a little afraid that uh second place car was going to be able to get by him but uh t-sob held on for the for the lead and uh this is a driver that uh we talked about i mean he has two hands but he races with one and i actually watched the in-car video and when he was racing in that traffic he was racing with one hand he had the other hand up on the deck and he's racing with one hand through that traffic uh, that still impresses me a ton so uh but yeah there were some uh, disqualifications there too um in the heat races two of the top 10 uh, uh they're iowa drivers they got um dq'd for having swivel spring covers does that sound correct um yeah, so sw they swivel spring cups on the rear cups okay um, they got DQ'd for that, um, and one of them was the was the one who had the most points after the heat races, and uh, he uh, in his B main he actually passed twelve cars and finished second to make the feature, and the other driver who got DQ'd won the last four race to be one of the last four cars, uh, or one of the last cars into the feature. But both of the drivers got caught up in an early wreck that kind of ruined their night. So that that's the importance of track position in in these types of races. And I have to do one other shout out uh, to Coy Vliz. He's a 16 year old rookie in the division, and he drew he was in the top 10 in points. He drew the outside pole for the 10,000 to win feature, led the first 10 laps, and then there was a caution. And he was running the high side before the caution, but then he went down low after the caution. On and then he got passed by a few cars, but I think he finished fifth. So I mean, still a great run for a 16-year-old rookie uh, in the division. And I actually interviewed him for our the most recent issue of uh, Full Throttle magazine, and he, he he's a good kid based on the interview that I had with him. And then he went out. And won a thousand dollar to win race at Autogamy Speedway Friday night, and he won a feature on Sunday night at Luxembourg. 
Um, so he's having a really good rookie season. Nice, nice. So T-Sob cashing in. Number three, let's go uh, repairable vehicles, Tri-State Late Model Series. They had a pair of races this past weekend out in South Dakota. Miller on Friday. They were at Huron on Saturday. A couple big tracks. But what stuck out to me, guys, Brian Deedy, old carrot top himself, um, actually uh, shocked by a hammer, one of the better bowlers in the state of South Dakota, parked in victory lane. Very limited schedule for Deedy over the past few years. But really cool, guys, seeing him get the win. He lost his dad here about a week ago or so. So very emotional win for Brian Deedy. Congratulations to him. Hopefully that kind of got the family a little bit better spirits after what happened. I'm sure he wanted his dad to be there with him. Um, Cole Searing got a second and a first and basically has the championship all but clinched. They got one more night um, this weekend at Fairmont. Uh, Cole Searing looking to be the champion here in 2023. So congratulations to old carrot top there, Brian Deedy. Number two, let's, uh, number two, did you guys both watch the Dirt King races down in Mississippi Thunder and at Deer Creek? Yes, I so did. I, so, Bert, I'm going to let you take number two here. What happens Saturday night? Uh, Saturday night, a lot of controversy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Saturday night was Dirt Kings at Deer Creek Speedway. It was actually really good racing. I mean, the track was uh, uh, really really racy and uh dustin Sorensen, uh he let he led from the get-go because he started on the front row and i don't know there's probably about 10 laps or so he was going through traffic and um he got together with uh trying to lap taylor scheffler and uh Sorensen spun out and uh the caution was extra long for some reason and i think we know why now um, it was announced that, uh, Taylor Scheffler, uh, tapped out. I mean, Dirk Kings does have a contact and spin out rule. If you apparently, uh, this is what the announcer said. So if you come to a stop on the track, you go to the back, but they also have a tap out rule. So if a driver taps out and takes blame for the caution, the other driver gets his spot back. And apparently Taylor Scheffler tapped out. And so Sorensen got a spot back and then he went on to uh, win the Dirt Kings race. Uh, I think there was some confusion because uh, Tyler Bruning, he was racing in the Dirt Kings race and he was running second at the time. And he drove by the flag stand at one point and he had his arm out the window, like going, uh, what's going on here when, you know, Sorensen was back in front of him. And uh, so, yeah, a little bit of controversy there. Well, word on the street is uh, they kept hollering in the mic like three times to be exact is what what we're reading here, that they were like kind of like coercing Taylor Scheffler to tap out. It wasn't like, hey, this is my fault. I'm tapping out. It was like, you're tapping out, right? Like you're taking responsibility for this, right? Like they did not want to put Dustin Sorensen to the back. Now, you might know who owns that racetrack. That would be dad. Right, he's part owner, Mike Sorensen, part owner of the old Deer Creek Speedway. Maybe has a little something to do with the fact that they were pushing old Taylor Scheffler to to tap out. Kind of a tough deal, right? Leader. I mean, some tracks have lead car protection, but I watched that, and I'm telling you what. I mean, he he drove up the racetrack, got into the side of him, spun himself out. Well, Probably needed to navigate a lot of traffic better, in my opinion. And the funny thing is, um. 
in in the interview in the interview Sorensen even said the, one of the first things he said was I thought I gave that one away and, and then and then he said but he got a spot back because of the tap out and um uh, Justin well I mean there's a big discussion on Facebook uh, I mean it was uh Taylor Sheffler's girlfriend who said that Taylor tap was asked three times to tap out and um Justin Reed who raced in that race um posted uh stating that Sorensen should have been put to the back that you know there should be no you know no judgment call and and that sort of thing if you stop on the track you go to the tail but anyway what I learned from Justin Reed's post is that apparently they were trying to coach the leader through traffic through the race sievers um Dirk King's officials, whoever's on the race receiver was trying to coach the lead, you know, letting the, the cars in the back, letting them know that the leader was coming and that sort of thing. And Justin Reed said, why are you doing that? No other series does that. And I mean, I agree with them. Why are you trying? I mean, that's, it's the driver's responsibility. And I didn't know if Reed was just saying, you know, saying something. I didn't know if it was true. But then Sorensen even mentioned it in his interview after the race. He said, yeah, they were letting the cars know that the leaders were coming and that sort of thing. And it's like, why are you doing that? Um, You know, if you're going to do that, you might as well just put two ray radios in there and let them have spotters. Yeah, I I thought that was kind of interesting myself. Charles, I thought I saw you shaking your head there. What's your thoughts on this whole dilemma? Well, first up, was was Scheffler a lap car? Yes, he was getting lapped. Okay, so I watched this. You you sent the clip. I saw the whole deal. I didn't know what was going on. But um, if you watch that thing in slow-mo, okay, Scheffler actually hits the wall, and he turns back down. Scheffler makes the contact. Dustin Sorensen did not touch him. Scheffler made the contact and drove into Sorensen's right front. I've never driven a late model. Ryan, you have. But everybody I talk to says, boy, the, you get your wheel ripped out of your your hands whipped out of that wheel in a big hurry and then late models. So um, when that happened, looked like to me, Soren, you know, did Sorensen squeeze him? Yes, absolutely. He's the leader of the race. I get lap traffic. You watch Lucas Oil, World Outlaws. If you go, if you do that to somebody, guess what that guy on the outside does? He lifts and dynamites the brakes because he knows Ricky Thornton Jr. and Davenport and Pierce, those guys aren't going to put up with it. So um, I don't know. Hard racing deal, 100%. Was it intentional? No. Um, uh, as far as this this tap-out deal, I don't know how that works. Talking on the race receiver during green flag is absolutely ridiculous. That, that shouldn't be done. There's a reason why there's a you know the blue and the yellow flag, and a lot of us drivers don't like saying, hey, I, I'm getting the blue and yellow flag because it's embarrassing. Uh, we've all been there. Um, so it was a tough deal. I thought it was a hard race, and I thought the rate call was made. And, well, and to add to that, the lap before that, it doesn't show this very good, but I talked to some people. The lap car, Scheffler, threw a slider on the leader. So he about KO'd the leader into the fence. So Sorensen's like, I got to get by this freaking guy here. Like, what is he doing racing the leaders this hard? So, I mean – the no, if you're gonna have the no fault rule, well, the ta- the tap out deal is interesting to me, but I mean, ultimately, is probably right, Bert. Yeah, well, I, to 
to add to your point, yeah, it was like a lap before. It wasn't on the video, but you could hear the announcer say, you know, Scheffler right in front of the leader. Um, so, yeah, something did happen on the previous lap where they got real close to getting together. Uh, but I wanted to add, too, about the race receiver and talking on the race receiver during the race, trying to direct traffic, so to speak. Um Tyler Bruning said after the race that the track was very technical and you had to really concentrate to hit your marks. And I mean, if you're a, a driver who's not, you know, who's running like fifth or sixth, you know, not even near the leader and you have somebody talking in your ear on the race receiver, I'm assuming all the drivers hear it, correct? You yep. know, to me, that would be distracting as a driver if there's constant chatter in your ear. Well, plus it really messes up if you got your crew chief trying to give you signals in your in your other headset. It probably messes <laughs> that up too. Just kidding, kind of, kind of, kind of kidding, kind of kidding. Um, so let's bring this to number one here. So the buyraceshirts.com number one moment of the week. Um, check out buyraceshirts.com if you need any kind of apparel. They do a great job. But let's head over to uh, Western Minnesota. Ralph, what's number one this week? Yeah, obviously, um, as Brady Gerdes getting a big win in the um, the fallen lineman race. So um, we do a it's now a two track deal. It's a it's an awesome awesome deal. Uh, we call it the fallen lineman race. Um, started a few years ago. Now we do I ninety four on Friday nights, and then they come over to Viking Speedway on Saturday. Um, we did it a few weeks ago, and I ninety four got rained out. So um, and we have sponsor money and everything already lined up for that. So we had to get that race made up, and they went over to I ninety four and. Uh, Brady Gerdes put a little thumping on the boys. There's 20, 29 cars, I believe. They started all 29. And uh, Brady Gerdes started 13th and um, passed a lot of very, very good race cars to win that race. Um, I know Brock Grunwald looked strong right away. I think he led the first 23 laps or so and was battling with some guys. Uh, and then Brady Gerdes was able to put that thing pretty much anywhere. He's really making up ground on the high side over in three and four um, and kind of going everywhere. But uh, win from 13th when, you know, you had Don Eichens has been very strong there. Lana Atkinson was there. And then you throw all your locals in there that have been strong too. So um, Brady Gertis from 13th picking up the um, 3,000. I think it was 3,000 this year. Might have been some more on top of that. But anytime you win three grand and a modified, you're, uh, you're doing something right. And he won both of them. He won at Viking and at Fergus. And I, I know a guy here that might have had a bold prediction saying that would happen. So – a little quick shout out here, Fast Lane Motorsports and Powder Coating, proud sponsor of the best series in all of Wissota Racing, the Northland Superstock Series, home of the Galloper Chassis. If you need powder coating, custom fab work, you need tires, parts, whatever you need, check out Fast Lane Motorsports and Powder Coating in Ashland, Wisconsin. Get a hold of Chris, tell him uh, you heard about him on the show. Great guy, and uh, make sure to do business with him when you can. So our weekly pick'em segment last week. I mean, we're not going to go into a whole lot of detail. If you guys have something you want to touch on here, we can. Um, but the high limit sprint cars they ran at Husets this past week. Rico Abreu parking it in victory lane there at Husets. Topless one hundred at Batesville. Prelim night went to RTJ. Dale McDowell taking home fifty thousand dollars. RTJ on the podium. Of course, he got third. I got to be honest, I, I just wasn't a highly entertaining race. I mean, you guys it, got any thoughts? It it was a snoozer of a race. Um, I actually, like I said, I had the grandkids for the weekend, 
and I went to bed with 60 laps to go because I saw it was just a choo-choo train and and the order they're running in when I went to bed, that's the order they finished in. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this, though. Dale McDowell did pass everybody before that track rubbered up, um, and yeah. he went by some lumber. And he was – he found – I don't know if you saw I, – I don't know why anybody else wasn't running that tack strip in the middle of one and two. That's where he was really making up his ground. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of pretty much latched up on the bottom. But I will – it was really good at first, but after that it was – it's pretty sad when a race like that rubbers up that early. And uh, but props to Dale McDowell, great guy. He's obviously gone through a lot, and it's awesome to see him win. Yeah, a guy that doesn't race a lot, right? Not really following any major series, so to speak. But hundred grand to win race earlier this year at Bulls Gap, fifty grand at Batesville. Great well, job to him. And you know he's still racing a Team Zero car. You know everybody else has these Longhorns and Rockets, and he's still in that Team Zero four or five years old at that. So Jackson Nationals World of Outlaw Sprint Cars this past weekend. J-Mac won both prelim nights. And uh, Carson Macedo holding off uh, Brad Sweet and Donnie Schatz on the podium in the 15. Pretty decent racing. I mean, anything stick out to you guys at Jackson? I mean, nothing really noteworthy, so to speak. But I think pretty decent racing overall. Pros? Yeah, I mean, it was okay. Nothing special. I thought the uh, I think the big thing was the the bottom was so wet. It seemed like it was a lot of tr a lot of traction on the bottom, and it kicked up so much stuff. It made it really, really dirty. Um, there there were some guys getting some runs on the outside. I um, really thought McFadden was going to sweep the weekend. Looked like he faded there a little bit, and uh, it was a decent battle up front. It wasn't it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't horrible racing, but it, it was decent racing. Was that night number one where the guy left the building? They had a pretty violent double roll over there and one car left. I do have a thought on that, right? Where the frick is the catch fence, right? Because think about this from a safety aspect. A car leaves the building, goes over the fence, right? We don't know what happened to that driver. Did two cars go over the fence? Okay. So they're over the fence. It takes a little while for all the safety equipment to get over there. They got to have a I know there's no fans there, but do you think they should have a catch fence all the way around to keep the cars inside the park? What's your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Well, it's kind of mini Knoxville, you know what I mean? The thing is that the wall over there is just not high enough. I mean, even, you know, finally they, they made it a little bit higher in Knoxville when that guy landed on the street there a couple of years ago when he went over and turned one. Um, and he was actually literally on the street because there is a street that runs right off turns one and two in Knoxville. But yeah, you got to make sure, um, you, you know, especially we saw that one video, I can't remember where it was, and people sitting in the stands and that sprint car came tumbling over and that, that catch fence actually stopped the car from going in the stands. So yeah, you like I said, you have to think the worst, um, especially with sprint cars. Um, you have to keep them cars <laughs> inside the track. I agree. I mean, any track that has uh, sprint car racing, I think, needs to have a catch fence. Uh, that's one of the reasons why Shano Speedway hasn't held sprint car racing in a long, long time is because they don't have a catch fence uh, in the corners. Um, but uh, like Beaver Dam Raceway um, in Wisconsin, they added a catch fence after I think it was Jason Johnson was killed there. Um, and it was after that, that they added a catch fence because from what I heard, 
he went up, hit some advertising signs, and then landed on the concrete wall where now there's a catch fence that will prevent that. Yeah, I think they got to have that in there for sure. Um, 25th annual USMTS Silver Jubilee, 25 years of racing for the USMTS. Congratulations to Todd Staley. They had a four-night series, kind of a unique format over there. Night one went to Jake Tim in the 49. Um, Tanner Mullins won the prelim on Thursday. Gary Christian won kind of the mulligan night on Friday. If you didn't have a good night, you could buy a mulligan. They ran on Friday. But the end of it all, $25,000 payday plus lap money. Tanner Mullins, a great run for Dan Ebert coming home into the runner-up spot. Great run for him. Jake O'Neill. And then from deep in the field, right, Rodney Sanders to fourth. But how about it for Clayton Wagaman? 18th to 5th in that JMR chassis right there. So a great run for Wagman. A typical a typically runs with soda um, races. Great to see him up in the top five as well. Um, where did uh, where did Jake Tim finish? Jake Tim finished. Did he get sixth, maybe? Okay, I thought he was up. Oh no, there. he didn't finish. He didn't finish. He was up front and then he then he got a flat. And then okay. he came from the back up to fourth. He was up to fourth, and then he overheated with like oh. ten laps to go. Um, Jake Tim was putting on a hell of a show. He was he was coming, and it was, was like, I mean, we're talking like this was straight up enduro racing. The first twenty laps, they were beating the absolute tar out of each other out there. There was, I don't remember. I think it was was it Tanner Wolf. I think maybe like both sides of his car was completely gone i mean like what are these guys doing right they look like a bunch of b mods out there it was crazy but um great great uh great night there for tanner mullins dirt kings mississippi thunder night number one of the two night swing jake tim we talked about dustin Sorensen winning on night number two bert did you watch any anything stick out to you at mississippi thunder i just watched the feature uh i mean tim was just uh he knows that track so well. He he started in the front, and yeah, he was gone. Uh, good run by uh, Nick Avalink, uh, and um, yeah, not other than that, nothing really stuck out. Um, NLRA late models. This was the last events that we picked. They had the Howie Schill Memorial, third annual. Of course, lost his life here a couple years back. His son Cole Schill, a great racer in the late model division. Night number one at Fargo, Chad Becker parking it in the victory lane. A little bit of controversy. Um, I think the right call was made, but him and TPO battling in lap traffic. Cross, I don't know if you saw this one or not. They're battling through lap traffic, and Becker moved up to go around a lapper, and he kind of slid up the track into one. TPO kind of had a head of steam. He goes kind of off the end of the racetrack. Yellow comes out. That was brewing to be a great battle up front. Tyler Peterson went to the back. Chad Becker in victory lane. A much-needed win for the 12 because TPO right now is kind of leading the way for the national standings. If Becker wants to kind of repeat, he's going to have to win some more. Night number two, Mike Gresseth parking in victory lane. Great rebound because night number one, it was about lap one or lap two. He's battling for the lead up front and absolutely... Yeah, all hell broke loose for the 17. Kind of a just mistiming deal kind of looked like there. And, and a great rebound win for him. Then they had the Golden Hammer, 5,000 a win over at the Devil's Playground. Joey Peterson, uh, a, one of the veteran drivers, a nice $5,000 payday. Congratulations to him. So, guys, there's four races left 
for NLRA. They race Saturday at Fargo, a pair of them Labor Day weekend at Greenbush, and then they run the prelude to the Johnny is the final one. Do you guys know who's leading the points right now in the NLRA? GPO? Brad Sang. Oh. Brad Sang. <laughs> I, I texted Brad today. I'm like, Brad, like you guys got your points updated? It's showing some freaking old guy in a rocking chair or something that's leading the points. This can't be right. He's like, no shit. I didn't see that happening. But yeah, he's got a like a 20 point lead there on Gresseth. Gresseth's DNF right there. If he didn't DNF, he'd be the point leader. Strand, of course, had that deal up in Grand Forks where he lost a bunch of points. So Brad Sang looking to cash in. <laughs> so this week on our points, the old 71A here kind of topped the charts. I had seven points this week. Jeff and Bert had six points. Curtis had five. Mike and Brad had three. Carl and uh, good old Dan had two. And Kent had one. He got on the board with only one point. So right now, Curtis at 130, our two-time and reigning champ, Burt Lehman, at 129 right there. Brad at 120, Mike at 117, Dan at 111. Then it has a 71A here at 107. Jeff out of the cellar, back up. He's no longer in the cellar at 102. Carl at 100, and Kent, our cellar dweller this week at 99. So this week's show is brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. If you're in the market for health care, if you're paying too much, you pay for your family, you pay for your employees, you want to quote, shoot, uh, shoot me a text, 218-969-1380. Um, I can probably get you a better deal, save you some money to spend on race car parts. This week, guys, we're going to pick the Quad Cities 150, three nights of World of Outlaw late model racing at Davenport, Lucas Oil late models at Georgetown, and then two nights at Port Royal. World of Outlaw Sprints kind of coming to our area. Grand Forks and West Fargo. Late models, we're going to pick them at Grand Forks and Fargo as well. Dirt Kings over Birchway, Plymouth, and Shano. And then uh, the structural buildings with Soda Late Model Challenge Series at Ogilvy and Granite City Motor Park. So the last lap here, rapid fire, guys. Uh, Dirt Track Supply, I want to give them a quick shout out. Home of the Arrow Chassis. Ron and Trevor do a great job for everything involved with racing. Great fabricators. They sell parts, tires. They service a lot of race, racetracks. So check out Dirt Track Supply in Watertown. Any quick shout-outs that you guys have here? I got I got a short little list here to kind of hammer through quick. Any any shout-outs here you guys have on the last lap? I know, Bert, you got something from Sturgeon Bay. What's going on over there? Yeah, I just want to mention uh... – the promoters at Sturgeon Bay, they announced that uh, they're not going to renew their contract to promote uh, that racetrack. So after seven years of promoting it, uh, they're walking, they're stepping away. Uh, they posted, you know, they're looking forward to spending more time with family and stuff. So, you know, that's that's very understandable. So hopefully uh, um, another group will step in and promote that facility. So I, any word on is there anybody kind of stepping in have you heard anything or is this just I, kind, of recent, have, kind of waiting to see i have not heard anything uh sturgeon bay is a kind of a difficult uh track to promote from the standpoint you rely basically solely on out-of-town cars uh because sturgeon bay is is located on the arm coming out of wisconsin so you have water on two sides of you and there's not much north of you so you're relying on everything from the south and but also 
um, the contract for the promoting group at um, the racetrack in Luxembourg expires after this year. And I'm not sure if they're renewing or not either. And, you know, those tracks aren't too far apart from each other. So, you know, if they don't renew their contract, you know, and nobody steps in for either one of those tracks, if it gets to that point, you know, that, that, that'd be major news in this, in this area. Yeah. So stay on top of that. Let us know as things progress there. We'll keep an eye on that. Kraus, anything going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, not a whole lot. Just championship night back at Viking Speedway. We were off last weekend. Um, had our big demo derby, very successful demo dirty derby, good car count, good fan support, put some money in the bank at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. And um, one quick shout out. I got to give a shout out to Ricky Weiss. Um, I know he uh, picked up a $20,059 to win at Richmond, um, Richmond Raceway in Kentucky. So I think he's heating up and tell you what, he's been pretty quick as of late. You know, that you got 10th at the USA Nationals coming from deep. And um, so it's good to see Ricky get fast. I know he's got Eldora on his schedule. I know he's got Knoxville on his schedule, too. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Ricky does here down the stretch. Yeah, I had somebody say, oh, yeah, he cherry-picked. I'm like, you don't cherry-pick a 20000 a win race. Then go lay by your dish. What are you talking about? $20,000 win payday is not cherry-picking. Congratulations to our friend from north of the border, Jimmy Owens, a $10,000 win uh, payday down in East Alabama. That Hunt the Front series, not sure if it's really taken off. Kind of a regional deal, but uh, good to see the old Osho parking it in Victory Lane. Got to give a shout-out to my boy, the one-to-go show 83, Dave Dulciak. Three in a row for the second time this year. Win number six. Kind of put a beat down, and he said, uh, and I, I watched the video. He's, he's a dry slick guy. He don't like the car wheeling up. He don't like traction. And I got, I'm proud of him, right? I'm seeing my boy here grow up before my very eyes. He left his man purse at home. That left front tire was like a foot off the ground, and he was hammered down and put a put a smoking on him. I thought that was pretty cool. But he wanted to get a donkey award here. Not to him, not to Dave, to his number one competitor, Zuby. Jeff, I'm going to ask you this. So there was 13 straight stocks in attendance. Car count was a little light on Saturday night. Zuby is kind of the guy he races against, okay? He went went out. He's, he's the number one competitor for the 83. Fast, right? And I'm thinking in my mind, this guy's a race car driver. He's good. He's he's tough, right? Gets a flat in the heat race. Heat number two, six cars in the heat. Scheduled to start 12th in the feature. Well, oh, I ain't starting 12th. See, they usually time trial, right? And they time trial, so if you finish in the top three of your heat, you're automatically in the front three rows. Well, I ain't starting 12th. I'm, I'm going to load up. I, I'm i not going to go out there and take a chance to get my car tore up. Wh what? What are we talking about here? Cross you and I, for years, that's where we started every night. Like, we, we started there because of the point average. They had a 12-car invert. We started there in this guy, right? And sponsored by Charmin Ultrasoft, evidently. What is your thoughts about a driver that's supposedly a good race car driver saying, well, man, I got to start 12th. I ain't doing that. I'm going home. Well, the, the big the big thing, uh, the number one people you're hurting there is the fans. The fans want to go out there and they want to see him. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I mean, how many years ago that night you came up to Alec and got a flat in the heat? Uh, do you remember that? Uh, I gave you a warning in the heat race to watch out for a certain guy, and you got walloped. <laughs> Ryan gets a flat, and you started. I can't remember. 20, were you 20-something? 
Yeah. I started like 18th. You end up second. I ended up third. But could you imagine if me and you would have just went on the trailer, the, the, the fans? You know what I mean? That That's my big thing is you're there to race, especially if you're a big-time guy and and uh, you got a chance to win and you're up there in the points. Come on, get out there and race, buddy. Absolutely. So um, this one here probably maybe could have been a top-five moment, depending, but a great rebound. So Kennedy, Kennedy Swan lost the handle there in Rice Lake, right? But she got her first career modified feature win Sunday night at the Granite City Motor Park. Congratulations to the young Kennedy Swan. Um, I, I thought that one was coming a while ago. She had a lot of times where she was so close. But uh, I tell you what, she's a race car driver. And I got to eat crow. I got to eat crow because I told her dad, I'm like, I don't know. I kinda, I'm not really sure putting her in an A mod right now is a good idea. Probably needs more seat time. Guys, she looked good on about lap two of her first night out. She she understands how to get her on the racetrack. So congratulations to her. Um, did you guys watch the SRX deal at Wheatland? I did not. I did not watch that, but kind of cool, right? That kind of a nationally renowned deal. Superman Jonathan Davenport might kind of be on the not hot list as far as light model racing goes, but uh, kind of a cool win for Davenport winning that SRX deal. So that was pretty cool. I, I didn't I didn't watch a single lap. Kind of a I'm a nostalgic guy here a little bit. I got a couple nostalgic ones. The '85 blue and yellow, right? John Canta. His first of the year, parking it in Victory Lane at Ogilvy. Tip of the cap to one of the greatest in our era. And uh, Joel Kreiderman from north of the border took a bunch of years off and struggled last year. His third win of the year up at the Thunder City Speedway in Thunder Bay. Always cool seeing the 51 in Victory Lane. Moonshine Mod Tour going to crown a champion here this week, Thursday night. Cheyenne Speedway, Lisbon, North Dakota. Kind of a unique deal. I'm not sure what I think about this. Now, I'm all for the fact what they're doing is they didn't have anything in place, right, as far as, like, how to determine a tiebreaker. They had two throwout shows, and I believe it's, what, Brady Gertis, right, and Zach Johnson tied for the point lead. They talked to the two drivers, and they said, okay, we can just split the money, do it that way, have a co-champion. Nobody wants a co-champion. That's just dumb, right? So hats off to Benji for saying co-championship stuff is stupid. They, they decided they're going to race it out Thursday night. None of the other points are affected. Third on back is set. Wherever they are, they're already set. Whoever finishes higher between Zach Johnson and Brady Gertis is the champion for the Moonshine Mods Series inaugural season. There's a twist. The twist is they're doing a revenge redraw which when you draw a number, you get a number, you have to give it to somebody else. Kroos, your thoughts on pulling that kind of a gimmick to the, on a championship night on a series? Yeah, I don't think you can do it. it the only way it's going to work is if – and he's been redrawn 10 or 12, has he not? Um, so I just hope the revenge doesn't go, you know, Zach Johnson on the pole and Brady Geert is 12th. Um, I hope there's somewhere they say, hey, you guys are both starting 11th or 12th, or but you're both, both starting on the front row. Um, I get that, but don't just make sure that revenge draw doesn't determine the championship. You That's the big thing there. Um, I think you just let them race it out. We're, hey, wherever they finish in the heat, let her buck. They're not in the redraw or whatever, wherever they draw, just let them race. You know what I mean? Um, it'd be like doing the, you know, the final four in NASCAR saying, hey, you're going to 
do some sort of something like that. Just let, let them race and hopefully it works out. Um, it could be a cool deal. And like I said, just hopefully it works out the right way. Bert, any thoughts on that or? I agree with, with, uh, Jeff. I mean, just, you know, line them up the way you line them up the entire year. Don't use a gimmick the final night to, uh, let it impact the championship. Yeah, we'll see how it all plays out Thursday night, Dirt Race Central. They will carry the action if you can't be there live. Rebel Midwest Modified Tour in its third season. The first two years, the championship went to the nightmare. Lucas Rodin, this year, one spot short. Congratulations to champion Justin Jones, who, I'll be honest with you, after Friday night, I saw some Facebook posts. I didn't see what happened. He looked a little salty, rough night. I wasn't sure he was going to lock it in, but they had some throwaways, right? That was clearly a throwaway for him. Justin Jones, a guy that I made some laps against back in the day. Congratulations on the Rebel Midwest Modified Tour. Three bold predictions. Uh, final segment of the show here, guys. Bring her home here. Uh, every week we, we make three bold, sometimes not so bold predictions about racing, show-related stuff, sometimes sports. And uh, we, we kind of keep track if we're right, if we're wrong. This, uh, this portion brought to you by Mason Aaron's videos. Of course, check them out on YouTube and on Facebook. He does, Mason does a ton for the sport. I mean, one of the, one of the great guys out there does a lot of B-roll stuff, a lot of interviews, a lot of really cool stuff. Check out his work. You'd be glad you did. So Bert, we, I was gonna, I think we got a little controversy here. Little controversy. So on episode 179, you made two predictions and, and, uh, I'm going to let you decide how this works. So on episode 179, you predicted Jake Tim would win the Dirt Kings feature at Mississippi Thunder Speedway. Well, that was like three months ago. I feel like that was a different Mississippi Thunder race. So being that he won at Mississippi Thunder this week, is that does that count, not count your thoughts? The Jake Kim one that I predicted before, that was for the feature that got rained out that they never that they were gonna make up on the Thursday before this last Friday, but then that just got canceled, apparently. Um, so it's just kind of a throwaway pick, in my okay, opinion. So I'll make sure Jeff notes that that one is old. So that would also make this one old, right? So you had Anvilink on the podium at Mississippi Thunder in episode 179 as well. <laughs> so both of them. I'm losing I, points I mean, here. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a totally different race. But yeah. so, okay. Now you did. This is the bad beat, guys. The the biggest bad beat in the history. In the hit. Well, I, I would say in the history of. Our, our pickums here of our bold predictions. Zachary Robb wins Captain of the Creek. Ouch. Ouch. He did. No, he didn't. He, oh, no, he didn't, did he? He that won that Shano. Shano deal. All right. Actually, that wasn't a bad act, beat. All actually, right. Totally different race. All right. Actually, My bad. My if, bad. He wouldn't have, if he wouldn't have gotten DQ'd at Shano, I would have picked the two winners for those races, but the wrong races. They would have been flip flop, yeah. Because you had T. Sob winning at Shano, yep. and uh, yeah, he won. <laughs> so you, yeah, that would have been flipped. So not okay. I wow. way, way, way <laughs> overreaction by me. All right. So that was another no. 
And you had uh, Nick Anvilink on the podium at Deer Creek, and that was a yes, he got third. So Kraus and the viewers here. Dan Ebert wins a qualifier at Mason City. He did not. He had a good weekend. He did. Just a little bit short there. You said Rodney Sanders was going to win a qualifier and win on Saturday. He did not. Had a hell of a run, though. I mean, he was impressive. He got up there fast and in a hurry. And uh, Jeff said the Reaper, Ryan Gustin, was going to win on Saturday. And did he even make the show? I mean, I don't – he must have, but I don't know where he was. I don't I don't remember even hearing about him. So I had a few come off here as well. I said Kennedy Swan on episode 184. I said Kennedy Swan was going to get a feature win before September 1st. She was getting close, but she got it done. I said uh, Mike Resseff on episode 182 was going to win the Golden Hammer at the Devil's Lake Speedway. They rescheduled that event. He did not win it. Joey Peterson did. I said Kevin Burdick was going to get a pair of feature wins this week. That did not happen. He got two more seconds, five seconds in the last seven races. So he's been strong. He's been good, but just one spot short. And uh, I also said this week between T-Mac, Overton, JD, and Owens, one of those drivers was going to finish on the podium in the big show at the topless. JD got second. So that was a yes. And I said Jake Tim would be on the podium in both the late model and the modified. He had a pair of wins in uh, one in the late model and in the modified. So that was a yes. So, Bert, you are at 38 correct, 56 incorrect, 40.4. I'm at 38 correct as well. But 50 incorrect, so I'm at 43.2. And Krauss and the listeners, uh, 7 correct, 23 incorrect, 23.3. So now we're going to make three laps around the track each. Our bold predictions for the week to bring this show home. Bert, we'll start with you. We'll go to Krauss. We'll go to me. What do you guys have here this week? Um, I am going to say... Nick Avalink will win at least one of the two Dirking races this week between Plymouth and Shano. Off the record, are you going to pick one of the two? Uh, I picked them for Shano. Well, actually, I picked them for both, but I'll, I would pick I, I would pick Shano before Plymouth. Todd and Gunnar Frank might have a little something to say about that, right? Todd Frank can actually run at Shano for the Dirt Kings, yes. Race, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, so... Uh, yeah, first off, I did pick the same. Uh, did I not pick Fiesta City Speedway was going to have the same winner both nights? You did, and uh, that one never got text over me, so my bad. So Jeff Krause, uh, he said Fiesta <laughs> City Speedway, late model races, we're going to have the same winner both nights, and yeah, you did have that. That is correct. So I don't know if that's reflected in here or not, but that would be uh, Matt Gilbertson parking it in victory lane both nights. So, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. And uh, I'm going um, – Tim McCready is going to win the 50 grand at Portsmouth on Saturday. T-Mac at Portsmouth – or is it Portsmouth or Port Royal? Port Royal, right? Port – is that – yeah, Port Royal. Port Royal, there you go. Port Royal, yeah. Port yeah. I'm going to – I'm going to go Structural Buildings with sort of Late Model Challenge Series. They got a race at Ogilvy, race at Granite City. Josh Zimple's been pretty solid all year long. He's going to finish on the podium at least one of the nights this weekend between those two races. 
Um, I'm going to go local for Eastern Wisconsin. Um, Coy Vlees, the 16-year-old rookie in the sport mod. Uh, I'm saying he is going to win the track championship at the racetrack in Luxembourg over his dad. He has a four-point lead over his dad right now. Okay. We are going, um, oh boy, Bobby Pierce is sweeping the weekend at Davenport. He's winning all three, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The smooth operator, oh, he's that hot, I tell you, and he's good there. He's really good there, so that's a good pick. I'm going to go local to my new local, Stickamore Speedway, uh, the one-to-go show, 83 rides. Dave Dulciak is going to make it four in a row, seven on the year. He's going to win Saturday night. Also, as a parlay to this, his cousin has been on the struggle bus. Look good in the heat race, can't finish a feature for the life of him, right? He's going to have his first podium of the year in the Pierce Stock feature to go along with Dave Dulciak's feature win. Um, I will go with, uh, Jeff kind of stole one of mine, so I'm going to think of a different one. <laughs> I was going to do something with T-Mac. Um, I will go with um, Carson Macedo will be on the podium for – they have two races this week, correct? Both yep. both of the races, both of the World of Outlaw races this week. Podium okay. finish there. For Macedo, Okay. Um, last one, I'm going, um, Brady Gertis is going to win the feature, which is going to obviously give him the Moonshine Mod, the Mod Tour Championship. So he's not gonna only going to win the championship. He has to win that feature. So he's going to win the feature, and he's obviously going to win the tour. All right. That's going to go against what I have. I have the old Millennial Farmer taking home that championship. So let's go Zach Johnson. So I got uh, – Let's go late models up at. Uh, let's go late models up in Grand Forks and at. I'm gonna go Grand Forks Friday night at Grand Forks. There is going to be some kind of an altercation, where somebody goes to the back, somebody's wrecked, between Tyler Peterson and Dustin Strand. All hell is gonna break loose. <laughs> There's gonna be some drama. And you'll catch all the all of it here next week on the show between the one TPO and the seventy one. Time out. What's the definition of all hell is going to break loose? You'll you'll know when you call it. I'll let you two determine if it's worthy or not of me getting a point. Is what we'll do. But something's going to happen. Them two are kind of. They're both fierce competitors. They're both hungry. That's a bull ring. It's super fun racing there. Something's gonna happen between TPO and Dustin Strand. You heard it here first. So, um, what are the plans for this weekend, Kraus? You gonna be running the Twenty Nine Star? What do you got going on? Yeah, we got uh, season championship up at Viking Speedway. I'm obviously out of that with my DNFs and DNS and um, uh, what is what's a did DNP did not participate. He actually missed a night this year. So uh, my big thing is I got to. Uh, Get her back on and hopefully um, get the car fast enough. And um, I haven't even really looked at the points. I should probably know the points. i got to make a post here anyway about it. But uh, hopefully we've got a couple of decent um, point battles going on. It's always fun watching championships. It's 
you know, growing up at Viking Speedway, it's something that I, uh, when I got my first one, is pretty special. So um, it's always nice seeing, uh, you know, making track championships great again. I think that's something um, tracks need to do and Wasota needs to get part of and, uh, and seeing who wins these track championships. Well, good luck to you this weekend. We want to see that 29-star in Mystery Lane. Bert, you got Shano. Anything else going on this week for you? Uh, Shano, Saturday night, and then I am actually going to the Brewers game on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> all right. All right. They went two and a half up on the old Cubbies. So, And I don't know where I'm going to be. I'm old trucking. I'm on my way to the state of Virginia right now. So uh, we'll see if I get back. I have absolutely no idea where I'm going to be. So, But uh, hopefully I'll be – if I don't – if I'm not at a track, we'll be watching racing. That's what we do. So, uh, again, thanks to all of our great sponsors. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Put your comments below. Message us, text us. When things happen, let us know. We just want to talk racing. But uh, thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show.